Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to episode number 313 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is March 24th, 2014. We've got a big show for you this week on the podcast, talking some USC football. Spring ball, one week is down. One week for spring break is off. Looking forward to Tuesday's practice where they start spring ball up again for four more weeks. Still have 12 practices left, so a lot of football to get to with Steve Sarkeesian's Trojans. We're going to get to all of that. Uh, if we have any questions or comments, we're going to get to all of those and love to, to hear from you. Send them in podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. You can call us at 206-888-6755. Leave a voicemail there or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com and leave a voicemail right on the left side of the page. All right, well, let's bring in our first guest, Coach Harvey Hyde, who's joining us from his cell phone. Uh, what's going on, Coach? How you doing? Hey, guys, good morning. Uh, uh, everything's just fine, buddy. Bye week coming off the of spring break. As far as the team, and you never know what to expect. Uh, you're having meetings. You, you hope nobody got hurt or did anything stupid. And, uh, you know, bye weeks are – I don't like bye weeks ever when things are going well. During the season, if you're winning and everything, uh, the tempo is there and you're winning and no one's in. You know, I don't like them. I don't like to change the pace or change the routine. And to have a bye after three practices where I thought that those three practices were really uh, rewarding as far as seeing. I saw one on a Saturday. The temple was there. The teaching was there. People were communicating. Uh, it's tough to just shut it down for a week. It is. It's tough. And uh, you know, But Steve Sarkeesian said they came out. They wanted to do some install stuff for the first week, give the guys a week off for spring break. I guess they can kind of digest everything. And then the next week, the second week of practice is supposed to be exactly like the first week. So more of the install stuff. And then the last nine practices, they'll do a little bit more. But um, I don't know. It seems like a pretty decent way. I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm with you. I'm not really into the bye week thing. But it seems like a decent way to kind of get these guys acclimated to the new systems. Well, with spring recruiting and uh, spring vacation and all the other things that surround college football, You've got to be able to fit in the number of weeks. Uh, you know, some guys go four days a week, so they go four weeks. Uh, some guys like three days because they can break down and use the film more during the off day. So, uh, yeah, if you're going to go five weeks, normally you have to have a week off. If it doesn't hurt, but uh, after one week, I'd rather have had the opportunity of going two weeks so that uh, you're into it more. They have more uh, in their minds. They can review it, and uh, you're more into the process. But you know, just hope they. Re- you're going to have to use part of tomorrow's practice and uh, Tuesday's practice and reviewing a little bit to make sure everyone remembers what you taught the first week, and then move on and teach additional uh, uh, schemes. That makes sense, Coach. Uh, well, I want to jump into some questions here before we do. Just want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website, or you can call them at 800-888-7287. That's their phone number if you need tickets for anything. Got baseball coming up, the Dodgers coming back from Australia, Angels, all that kind of fun stuff. You want to see Mike Trout, Yasiel Puig, any of those guys, you can check out SCTickets.com, and they will hook you up. Uh, Well, I wanted to get into these questions, Coach, and Brad had uh, an interesting one. He says, with this new offensive scheme – do you see some of Vanuku be? How do you see some of Vanuku, the fullback, being used in this offense? I think Vanuku was a great weapon last year towards the end of the season, but I'm wondering how he really fits into this offense. You know, uh, that's a good question, uh, and I don't want in any way flight his abilities as far as what he can do for an offense. He's a winner. He's proven that he's a tough guy. He's great on special teams. You know, he could be a special teams captain. He's that good of a special teams player. Probably uh, on short yardage, possibly. Uh, but as far as a receiver, I would say 
not likely because they have great receivers and you have running backs who are more of an explosive type of back after they catch the ball. And most of the backs have demonstrated they have really good hands. So I think he's in a very difficult situation. I mean both. As far as Steve Sarkeesian and wanting to play this type of player, you have feelings for players. You have feelings for players. You really do. And, again, how he'll fit into the scheme of your offense. But you got to remember as a coach that the team comes first and the other 21 players come first that are on the field. You want your players always on the field, the best 22 that can accomplish your goal and your play that's called, the defense that's called. So I think it's going to be interesting uh, because you can't really just play players to play players because you like players. I've liked a lot of players that haven't played. So uh, I think it's going to be something you have to sort of experiment, experiment with. You know, Coach, one of the interesting things, you said it's going to be interesting, it will be. Part of the reason is because they seem to be kind of lumping the fullbacks and the, the tight ends together in one aspect. But also, I talked to um, uh, Steve Sarkeesian before and, and talked to Johnny Nansen, the, the running backs coach, and they had both had mentioned trying to get some of Vanuku some carries in there. So it seems like you know they know they have a good stable of running backs, but they want to incorporate him just with his skill set in there as well. So I'm I'm curious to see how it all plays out if if the tight ends and fullbacks are doing kind of the exact same thing and you know especially if some guys get injured if some of Anuku comes in and, and gets more of a tailback role in some situations. Well, that could happen uh, but you certainly don't want to play a player because people are hurt. Uh, I mean if that happens, he's obviously the guy to move there, but you have four or five pretty good tailbacks and uh, you hope that it doesn't uh, get that low where you have to, you know, play someone that's not the best. But uh, uh, he, you know, he isn't the greatest. Re- he is, you know, what I mean is he's got limitations when you talk about tight ends and and and, and seam routes. And, uh, you've got a big target there, and you got Bryce Bryce coming in. Dixon is going to be a, a immediate contributor as far as the seam routes and down the field routes. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be difficult to find a place now where he could fit in there is in goal line situations where you assume he's going to run the football and you play action pass with it. But you know, everybody thinks you brought him in to run the football and you can play action pass very similar to if you remember the Super Bowl when Terrell Davis had that migraine headache and they brought him off the bank uh, the bench and everybody thought that he was going to carry the ball and he didn't. Everybody just jumped on Terrell, and they scored a touchdown. So, you know, there's times and places that you scheme uh, game plans on what's best for your team and programs, but I don't see that, you know, I don't see that happening. I see, I think they like him, but I don't see where he's going to fit in that way. I mean, I think he's a great kid. I think he's a special teams captain. Yeah, he certainly could be that, too. Um, all right, well, thanks for that question. Let's go. Melvin had one for you, Coach. I thought this was interesting. He said, since we play Stanford, uh, second weekend, and obviously the game comes up early as the you know early season, the number two game. Will Sark do any prep for that game during spring practice? In other words, will he have already studied Stanford and start to prepare even in the spring practice session from Melvin? Uh, I don't think so. I think they might study themselves as far as the staff, but they played Stanford. They know what Stanford does. Stanford's not going to change anything. You start going out in the spring and talking about your second game with your players, uh, they're thinking that Fresno State's an automatic. Uh, you better just prepare for Fresno State if you're going to work on anybody in the spring. And you don't talk about Stanford. You talk about your opener and getting off to a great start. You're at home. We should have a sellout crowd. It's Steve Sarkeesian's first game as a head football coach. You don't talk about Stanford. These guys have seen Stanford. They don't change anything. They're going to use the same front, same offense. Everything's going to be the same. They've played against them as a staff. Both staff are both both members from both staffs have played against Stanford, and they know what works and what doesn't work. And and but I, I wouldn't be talking Stanford in any way as far as uh, my uh, preparation in going through spring. And I agree, coach, and especially because it's a new staff, and really they're going to spend a lot of time trying to get them to understand these players, what the, this new staff expects of them and what the systems are going to be and all of that. I mean, even if it was a 
a staff that, you know, it was like the late Pete Carroll years where you've been around a long time and everyone knows the system. It just seems kind of unusual to be preparing for like the second game of the season in spring football. It really seems to be about the current team as opposed to any opponents, the next opponent or second opponent down the road, any of that. It just seems like that's not something you do in spring ball. No, the only thing I might use or throw out occasionally is say we've got our opening game, we've got to really play well, we've got to work hard for Fresno State, but we've got a conference game the second week of our season. And then leave it at that. Because everybody knows that, to me, that is one of the key games of the schedule next year, playing at Stanford your, your second week of the season against a tough divisional team and, and as far as Stanford. And I, and I think that's, that's key, but I wouldn't mention anything more than that. All right. Uh, let's see. We're going to go to Lamar in uh, Lancaster. So he had a question. I like the direction the program's heading, and I enjoy the show. Well, thanks very much, Lamar. Um, looking at the great development of Cody Kessler from last year to the present, I noticed that he struggles throwing the ball effectively from his right side back to the left side of the field. He threw four picks in those similar scenarios. Three of them went for pick sixes. Have the staff or anyone noticed this, and is it being addressed? He's talking about the Washington State game, Arizona State game, Notre Dame game, and Fresno State games. That's Lamar in Lancaster. I haven't noticed that, Coach. I don't know if you have. Oh, yes, I have, and that's a great point to bring up. And, and you have to point these things out to Cody, and this is a great time to do it in the spring and during the summer months as far as the off-season programming and, and being able to go both ways. You can't be limited with your quarterback that he's only good to the right because you play the defenses differently. Because, you know, they, everybody favors his, his right. He throws to the right more. He doesn't like to throw to the left. So you play your defense that way, too. And, uh, no, I, I agree with you 100%. He does have to improve on that. I haven't really noticed that much as far as Max on how Max Brown does going to his left because he hasn't really played that much at all for us to be <laughs> able to observe that. But I want to agree with this caller 100%. He does throw better to the right, and he's got to work on going to the left. Okay. Uh, that's something I guess we'll have to watch for. I'll watch out for uh, that during spring practices, too, see what he does. Um, here's a voice. Speaking of quarterbacks, we have a, uh, a voicemail question for you, Coach. Here you go. Hi, Ryan. This is a question for you or the coach or um, for Dan. Um, I understand when Pete Carroll uh, was left with uh, uh, Matt Barkley and he started a, a freshman uh, over um, uh, the two existing quarterbacks he had. I wonder if uh, Sarkeesian would start Jalen Green, being that it's a new program, he wants to start fresh and give uh, the team a new outlook. Uh, if he would be so bold to start a player like Jalen Green next year uh, to, to start the team off new, um, just as P. Carroll did with Matt Barkley. Even though the circumstances are a little bit different, uh, Sanchez left, but uh, take a chance, uh, get the team wrapped around a new player, um, and uh, get a new rhythm with the, uh, with the offense. That's all. Well, really, uh, I don't think there's no need for that. You've got a quarterback coming back that's had 14 starts in a 10 and 4 season. It's not like you uh, have to start new. Uh, I think that uh, Cody Kessler is the quarterback and he's the one that needs to be beat out. Uh, I don't think you replace Cody Kessler uh, if anybody's even equal with him. The team, uh, I mentioned this last week when we did, our, when we did the podcast, uh, the team isn't going to buy uh, you doing that even if it's equal. Cody Kessler, they're used to. He's a leader. Max Brown's an outstanding prospect. So is Green. But uh, you you can't buy experience. Uh, Cody's got to take over that squad. That's his offense. You know, you say everybody's got the same opportunity. But unless someone stands out where, you know, this guy is the deal. I mean, this guy is a franchise quarterback. Everybody knows it. If you don't start him, you're stupid. He's the best player. Then you go with Cody Kessler. I think we've all been in that position before. I made a mistake with that years ago. Uh, when I was at UNLV, we opened up against BYU on national TV. And uh, I wanted the red shirt Randall Cunningham. I wanted the red shirt because I had a quarterback that came 
with me from junior college. He was one heck of a player. We went undefeated, and I wanted to start him, and, and uh, he would have one year left, and then Randall would have three years left. But we got beat by BYU, and we didn't move the ball well at all. So I went back, because I knew Randall was great talent. But we went back, and I opened up the quarterback situation since we had a bye after our first game. And Randall clearly was the best. So if I, did, if I said I was going to open it up, and I didn't select the best quarterback, whether that other quarterback had played for me or not, then I'm not being honest with the team. So, and uh, Randall came out and played, and Randall's Randall, who he is. So, uh, no, unless Cody uh, and Max, you know, are equal, uh, no, Cody's going to be the quarterback. No, that makes sense, Coach, and it's it's certainly a different situation. There's no returning starter like there is now. And Matt Barkley coming in was the number one quarterback in the country and a five-star prospect. It's it's really not the case with Jalen Green. He was a late addition to the – the recruited class could be, you know, Kemen is an early enrollee. Not that he's not a good quarterback, but he's not the, you know, he wasn't the Max Brown of the class or like Ricky Town or Josh Rosen from the class of 2015. He wasn't one of those quarterbacks. So I, I think the situation is completely different. Um, if anyone starts besides Cody, I would think it'd be Max Brown. But like you said, it, it seems like it's Cody's to lose. And unless Max Brown or Jalen Green comes in and just tires it on fire and looks like they're the best thing since sliced bread then it's probably going to be Cody Kessler there. So, yeah, it seems like a stretch to to figure out a way that Jalen Green could come in and be the starter as a true freshman. And if this caller is a follower of Green and, or his parents or family member, hey, Green's going to be a great quarterback. The best thing for Green is to redshirt and bring his game along and get some more confidence and know the offense and play with his players that he knows. And uh when his time comes, uh, be ready to challenge for it. So I'm not saying he's a great, not a great player, but is he ready now to step into that Pac-12? Uh, I think you, I think the Pac-12 be unbelievable. So you know you got to be able to be smart on how you throw your players in there and, and uh, expose them to Division football. All right, um, we got one uh, last question for it. It's a little long, Coach. So bear with me. This is a. Uh... Jim and Canyon, uh, he says, first, thanks for your excellent coverage of USC, especially for the video clips of workouts and drills. We all like to see that for ourselves. And what I saw from the quarterbacks throwing, uh, throwing clips from day one was clear confirmation to me that Max Brown is by far the most talented passer. It doesn't necessarily mean he's the best quarterback, but as I see it, he's the only one who can make all the throws. And so his best will be better than Kessler's. The box score from the video, he saw Brown going 10 for 10, quick release, High velocity, tight spirals on every throw. Kessler, he had 8 of 10. One of the two incompletions was a drop. Quick release, average velocity, velocity, and no uh, really tight spirals. He would bet dinner at any good restaurant. I don't know if we're betting here, but um, your choice that, barring injury, Brown is going to be a first or second round NFL pick, while Kessler, though a competent QB in college, just doesn't seem to have the arm and will be a low round pick at best. Remember, Russell Wilson displaced a very good, very experienced quarterback, who had just gotten his team to the playoffs, but a certain coach saw that the team couldn't win win it all with him, let him go. Ultimately, they went on with the raw rookie and went on to win the Super Bowl. Uh, so, Coach, let the full spring competition guide you to the right choice, not just the easy one. Fight on, Jim and Canyon. Wow, so a lot to say about the quarterback situation there, Coach. You know, when you look at stats, stats don't give you everything now. And we've only had three days, not we, but USC has only had three games of spring practice. So it's hard to judge right now that Max Brown throws a better ball than Cody Kessler. I mean, he throws a good ball. Don't get me wrong when I say this. But let's let the spring go along a little bit and let's don't cause a quarterback controversy here after three practices in the spring. Stats are good. And I know a lot of guys that had great stats and their team never won a game. (laughs) There's a lot of things that go along with a quarterback. Uh, You've got to be able to lead the team. You've got to be able to not create turnovers. You've got to be able to audibleize. There's so many things involved in selecting a starting quarterback. Now, let's give Max Brown credit. He's had, you know, a spring at USC under a different season. He comes in and he has advantage uh, over probably other people because he's run this type of uh, system. 
But let's give some things some time. Let's don't get in here now too early and start deciding uh, who throws the ball longer. I know he throws a great long ball. I've seen him do it last spring. Let's let things fall in place before everybody jumps to conclusions, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you on the stat stuff. So much goes into that, the quarterback decisions. I mean, you don't know what their vision is. You don't know what they're doing in meetings and all of that. I mean, I, I think the coaching staff must feel fairly comfortable with Cody Kessler right now, what he's been able to do. But like you said, it's it's the experience factor has to weigh so much into this. And, you know, we won't know until they, they come out with an announcement. But anyone besides Cody Kessler, I think I'd be pretty shocked. I agree, but again, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Clearly, if he's the best quarterback after the spring, Max Brown, even Cody will know it. Cody knows it. Kids today know who's the best, uh, and they accept that. This is a great challenge. It's making Cody a better football player. It's making Max a better football player. The competition and Green a better football player. Competition makes great football players, and that's why when I used to recruit, I'd say, you don't want to go to that school because you're not going to compete during the week. You only compete once a, once a week when you go to some schools because you only compete in the game. But at USC, with this type of competition going on, they all become better. They all become better because of the competition daily. So uh, let it all happen, and it'll all work out the best. All right, Coach, one just last thing. You know, after the week off, what are you kind of looking forward to seeing the next time you go out to practice? What are you going to be watching for as your your coaching eyes? What are you going to be checking out here at USC? Well, the first thing I'm going to, it's going to be at the Coliseum, which is great. When, you, when you're on the practice field at USC on ground level, on the sideline, it's very difficult, very difficult to be able to see all the action, the line splits, the plays what's going on, what the quarterback's seeing, the whole thing. But uh, Saturday I'm going to be looking at seeing if the team got better. Uh, I seen it, I saw it on a Saturday before they took their spring break. I know exactly uh, where, how they were operating, how they threw the ball, what routes they were throwing. I want to see if that team now is, is still uh, learning in, in such certain uh, drills, or they already understand those drills. And they move forward into their new teachings and how they execute it. I don't believe they'll scrimmage on Saturday, but they'll run uh, at a pace, the hurry-up offense pace. Uh, One thing I really liked was the way they substituted uh, last Saturday, two Saturdays ago. They got their players on and off the field. There wasn't a player jumping off sides. Uh, it was, I thought, a really good practice for the first three days of spring. Now, one thing that did surprise me a little bit, they didn't have officials on the field. And I think that this Saturday they'll have officials. So that officials help them as far as guiding them through. That would have been a hold. They're called a hold. Or you lined up a, a too close to the line of scrimmage. Or that, that was a pass interference. So, I think you now move into that type of teaching, too, to introduce to the players the, the part of the game that's going to be judged by officials. So I think I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to seeing if the defense swarms the football, how players are maturing and how they're accepting their roles. Uh, Scott Starr and some of these other young players who are going to be key players. The secondary, of course. Kevin Seymour, I thought, had a great practice last Saturday. I thought Chris Hawkins had a great practice. I tell you, I even had to say, who's 29? I said, oh, Chris Hawkins. (laughs) He's covering better. But you know what I mean, Ryan? You see how some of these young players who redshirted last year come along, and I'm also going to watch to see how some of the injured players during their rehab are limping or coming through drills and how they're coming along, too. Is Telford going to be out there? Running routes. He was limping two Saturdays ago pretty badly. So, you know, these are the type of things you watch. And, as you know, I always sit by myself and observe the whole field. All right, Coach. Thanks again. I know we had to catch you in transition there, but thanks for coming at least on the cell phone and sharing your thoughts with us this morning on the Peristyle Podcast. We look forward to talking to you next week after uh, another practice in the books. But thanks again for coming on. Ryan, thank you. And I apologize to our listeners if it's not clear. But I was rolling along. 
uh, on the 210 and 134, and you got me to where I was going, and I'm safe, and thank you for listening. All right. Well, glad you got there safe, Coach, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Everyone else back in 30 seconds talking to USCfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Got Dan Weber joining the show, uscfootball.com beat writer. And uh, what's going on, Dan? How you doing? Oh, doing good. Doing good. Nice, uh, relaxing uh, week off and looking ahead and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, spring so, break. Uh, can't <laughs> wait to get back. Spring break for USC. They'll start practice up again on Tuesday. So only three practices in. It looks like, Dan, from what... Steve Sarkeesian told me on the, the the podcast when we had him on that the first three practices and the, the, the next three practices are going to look exactly the same, all about installs and not as much about physical physical play there, I guess, in practice. You know, I, I just don't think this team needs to do that a, a lot. I mean, I think they they showed us practicing just seven times, I guess, in the 21 days before the uh, you know the Las Vegas Bowl. And then they came out and played, you know, as physical as they've been all year. Um, so I think you get to a certain place if you really know how to do it. I think that's one of the things they're trying to make sure that these guys know how to practice hard and and be preparing themselves physically, but not, you know, doing the kind of damage that you can do to yourself in practice. And that's kind of a skill all of its own. And I think that's actually one of the skills they're trying to make sure they develop this spring. The ability to play fast, play hard, uh, but not uh, you know not take people to the ground, uh, and yet get there in complete perfect tackling position and tackling angles, and uh, you know delivering a blow, and uh, that's not easy to do, but uh, they certainly did it at the end of last year, and uh, be good to see them be able to you know to carry that through the spring, because they don't really have to get ready for you know for a game now. And then uh, you know, save the physical stuff for uh, for August. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we'll might as well jump into some questions we have here, Dan. Then we're going to talk a little about uh, your thoughts from spring football so far. And well, actually, I was up in Fresno last week. We can talk about USC's first opponent a little bit, but we'll get a few of these questions out of the way first. Um, Melvin wants to know how the competition was going at the cornerback position, since he knows it was a weak point last year. I realize it's still early, but who looks good? And do you think Adoree Jackson, Lockett, and Plattenberg uh, will get a shot at playing corner when they enroll in the fall? Yeah, I, I think uh, everybody's going to get a shot uh, in the fall. Corner is a kind of a position where, you know, it's more about, you know, being an athlete and, 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 and just locking in and uh, being unafraid. And um, so, uh, and I think, it'll start a little bit more in the fall just because you've got guys like uh, Anthony Brown and, you know, Ryan Henderson and Devin Shelton who really aren't, uh, aren't ready. Uh, you know, they're not ready to go yet. So, you know, they're going to have to wait until the summer also. So uh, you've got, uh, you know, you, you, you've got a kind of a two-step at least process with, uh, with some of the veterans and some of the new guys going to be coming in in the summer. Uh, so, you, obviously, you've got uh, you've got uh, Kevon Timor as a returnee coming off the really good game he had in the uh, Las Vegas Bowl. You've got Chris Hawkins uh, stepping up uh, as kind of the next in line, and then a couple of walk-ons. You got Ryan Dillard, who the coach has always mentioned, who probably is in line for a scholarship. We would think in the fall, and um, Kevin Carrasco uh, also uh, a walk-on who's and a bigger, stronger, good athlete, and they mentioned him as well. So right now, you know, you're about half of the half of the cornerback, uh, you know, complement is is ready to go. So we're probably not going to see the whole, um, you know, competition thing play out until we get uh, we get to uh, till August. 
And kind of a follow-up to that, Dan, and you actually had a good segue with the walk-ons. I want to get to that question next. But with uh, Sua Cravens in there, um, you know, you had Deion Bailey did, did such a good job as kind of a nickel cornerback. Are you seeing that same kind of thing going on there where they're using a nickel? It's maybe a safety or maybe a corner. They're coming in there using a lot of five DBs a lot so far. Yeah, I think so. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, I think the the primary you know skill set that they're looking for is guys that can tackle in space and play in space, and uh, you know having that you know five DB set when you've got a like Sua now is you know over six one. He said told me he was six two. We'll see that he's uh, he's legit two twenty five as well, and yet you know I'm not a linebacker is what he's saying. So uh, he's a kid that can play, you know, about anywhere you want him to play, and he can close on the football just the way uh, way Dion could. And so, uh, and then you've got Leon McQuay, the third, and you've got Josh Shaw who can go. Uh, we're going to see him, at, you know, at both places. And then you've got uh, Gerald Bowman. I think is kind of a sleeper there, who uh, everybody liked when he was recruited, you know, a year and a half ago, and then. Uh, had all kinds of you know injuries there two two years ago really had an injury situation last year that just didn't let him play a couple of different things happened and now after surgery he looks really he looks good so that gives you four four safeties uh, with Shaw if he moves moves in that direction so so yeah I think uh, uh, you could see him playing playing uh, you know with five DBs although I think. Antoine Woods is good enough. I mean, he's in such good shape and show, you know, playing so well. I mean, he was the guy that would come out when they brought in an extra DB. Right. Uh, his ability and the shape he's in now to get to the quarterback and that, that might not be. Uh, they may not choose to do it as much. And they might, you know, say instead, you know, we'll get to the quarterback with our down linemen. And having a nose tackle can do that is is a tremendous plus. Is USC. You know, can remember when you had a, you know, a Cedric Ellis there, people like that 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 can, you know, don't need any help. They just uh, they can beat their guy on their own. I think Antoine has uh, is starting to show that that kind of ability. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, how they, I'd probably let it play out, and see uh, see which way they go. Uh, well, to keep on that walk-on theme that you were talking about, Frank in Orlando had a question. He said, "I read last week that Nathan Gertler." was given a scholarship. Are there any other walk-ons that have been given or being looked at to give it a scholarship, and how would that impact the class of 2015, the recruiting class of 2015? Yeah, I don't think it uh, – as long as it's a um, uh, a kid who's been there two years, that's the, the criteria that the NCAA requires, then he does not count against the uh, – uh, as an original uh, scholarship. Uh, uh, you know, so uh, if it's a two-year – or more, which Nathan Gertler is, and we're hearing that 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 offer has been made before was made before spring, and one would think that maybe uh, you know Ryan Dillard would be next in line. After that, uh, there's a potential of of maybe five scholarships to play with uh, total, and uh, you know you look at a guy who, who does an awful lot every day in practice is Chris Wilson. Who uh, you know has a quarterback number and a tight end number and is running you know basically is that second tight end and uh, just does an awful lot of a lot of good things so so there you know I think there's some pretty decent candidates but but it has to be a two year guy uh, or he would be considered an initial uh, you know recruit initial scholarship kid who would count against your recruiting class. Yeah, so that's the 25 number that Dan's talking about, the initial scholarship. So with Nathan Gertler, all that does is add to the total. And I think our latest total we had at 70 scholarships. I'll have to update the uh, scholarship distribution chart for Nathan, and that'd be actually 71 scholarships. They're still you know, well under the 75, so they can still give a few more out, and that shouldn't be an issue. But, yeah, so for Chris Wilson, Dan, it seems like he would have to – this will be the after this year he could oh, get you're one. You're right. That's a good point. Uh, you might, yes. Um, the, we think that he's been here. This is his second spring, but it's only still his first academic year. Good point. He would count against the uh, as an initial scholarship kid. I believe he would. Uh, he's a transfer. I, I absolutely am not sure. You know, you've got the other parts of that that he went to Wake Forest and he had a partial baseball scholarship and. And all of that, I'm, I'm absolutely actually not completely sure 
you know, was he ever a counter somewhere else? Because um, he also played football at Wake Forest. So right. I'm not a hundred. I don't know how that that's. You might need a a, a real a lawyer, uh, yeah. you know, an NCA specialist. Uh, you know, for something like that. I don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, Ryan Dillard certainly would qualify. And I think, you know, he passed up scholarships at the service academies in Indiana and uh, Illinois, I believe, and, and maybe some Ivy League schools. And, and you know, I think there was always kind of the understanding that when the time comes, uh, you know, you're going to be in line. And he's certainly done everything you could possibly ask, uh, you know, a walk-on kid. What a great, uh, great, great person to have on the squad, you know, in terms of just everything that he does academically, athletically, uh, just as a, a terrific kid. Uh, here's an interesting one, Dan, uh, from Brad. He said, are we now running exclusively out of the shotgun, even when we get down to the goal line, or have we shown in practice that once we get within 10 yards, we go under center with some bigger bodies in there? Well, uh, no. Uh, and I think if Max Turk stays the center, they're not going under center. Because if you go with with six six max, he's got the arms. I think of a, a seven foot guy. <clears throat> it's kind of hard to go under center. I mean, that was always one of the hesitations last year. Was you didn't the snap was it was really an adjustment for the quarterbacks to take a snap from Max with his just you know very long arm. The thing I liked was I think two years ago one of the best things they did on offense was essentially turn the shotgun with Mark Tyler into a goal line situation. Heck, they, two, the year before that, they did it really well with the late lamented uh, Dylan Baxter, where they ran some really nice packages, scored against Stanford on one. And uh, uh, so I, I could see them having a goal line package, but still out of the shotgun. It might be you snap the ball directly uh, to Buck or Trey. Uh, something like that, for example, it allows you still to attack quickly and what they did i thought was really good is they came out quickly lined up quickly and 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 snapped the ball quickly and it allows you to attack all the different spots and and maybe read a little bit better than you do in a quarterback sneak so my guess would be that would be the way they they would go first before uh, putting the uh, quarterback under center i mean the, the difficult one is always like if it's uh third or fourth in inches well fourth in inches especially do you give up, you know, the uh, the yardage that you have to give up when you're uh, when you're snapping the ball back, you know, that many yards, and and you only need instant touchdowns? That's always, uh, I think, the one the one question about the shotgun. And that's uh, kind of a good segue there too, Dan. Um, talking about USC's next opponent, Fresno State. I guess people don't know, I I started covering them as well. Uh, rivals didn't have anyone covering them, and I I thought I could take that site over and uh, bring some coverage to, to the, that program as well. So it's been kind of a fun thing to do. But I got to learn more about USC's opponent in the bowl game and, of course, uh, USC's first opponent for the 2014 season. And that's one thing when you haven't seen that kind of offense up close for a while, there would be a source of frustration when I would watch Derek Carr, who's you know this great quarterback and they had some good running backs and stuff, line up in shotgun and it's third and inches or fourth and inches. And you're just kind of wondering, I mean, it could make a big play, but you could also, you know, lose a couple yards when you only need a couple inches. And it's something that I, I just was kind of scratching my head. Like there has to be an under center package in here somehow, but they didn't seem to want to use it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think you have to think about, you know, a direct snap to a big tailback, big quick tailback. I, I think it has to be your, your alternate, you know, there in a short yardage situation, snapping it to Derek Carr, I think makes it a little tough. Um, you know, it just athletically, you know, he has to make a play. Whereas, uh, you know, I, I really, I thought it was one of the, the slickest things that Lane Kibben ever did on offense was the quick shotgun direct snap to a big tailback and uh, an attack. I don't think, I, I think the year, obviously, when they went 10 and 2 and got on that streak. They didn't get stopped a lot. You, know, you had Matt Khalil and you had Red Ellison, but uh, I don't think they ever didn't make it with uh, with Mark Tyler. And now you've got you know guys with his size and and certainly more speed. And so um, I think I think you know I'm not I'm not in the room, <laughs> not working with the offensive coordinators, but I do think. Um, I'd be surprised if they didn't incorporate that. 
Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, but there was something that you know I kind of watched last year and. Um, after follow, following this team for a year, Dan, I thought, you know, since I was up there for a few spring practices and actually their pro day too, we could talk about USC's first opponent a little bit. And, uh, I know one of the first questions you had for me, it's going to be a different looking team because Derek Carr is gone. Their two best receivers are gone. Their best tight end is gone. Uh, their left tackle is gone. So I think on offense, it's, it's going to look a lot different and you're not really even sure who the next, uh, quarterback is going to be. It looks like another Bakersfield product, uh, Brian Burrell is leading so far, but they have Zach Greenlee, who was a elite 11 quarterback. I think he finished third or fourth in the, the running a couple of years ago, redshirt freshman, and they got a more athletic kid, Miles Carr, but I think he's more, he's kind of in third place right now. Um, but, the, you know, I think the offensive line could still be a little shaky. They, you, you saw what the USC defense did to them uh, in the bowl game, but I think on defense, this team's going to be a lot better, Dan. It's going to be deeper. Uh, they really didn't know what was going on in the cornerback position last year. They had you had to start a guy that just came in in the fall. In fall camp, he ended up starting, Curtis Riley. Um, so it's it's going to be really interesting to see. I think USC is going to look different, of course, with the new staff. But this Fresno State squad is going to look different, too. Yeah, I think the thing that, that surprised us was, um, and probably surprised Fresno, was that uh, the uh, it, it was almost shocking, the difference in – athleticism between the USC kids who showed up really ready to play and the Fresno kids. And I think it, it took Fresno by, by surprise almost that, and you know, USC hadn't always played like that. He played like that against Stanford. Uh, but, um, but I think that that adjustment, I mean, I think Derek Carr is a really good quarterback and he was, he was so hurried in ways that he obviously hadn't been hurried all year, that it, it so forced him to, um, you know, throw the ball early, throw the ball early. He just he had to he had to get rid of it, and he got rid of it in ways in which guys weren't you know when guys weren't open, weren't ready to, you know, weren't able to catch the ball. Yeah, so he was rushed, and I got to see you know I got to see a bunch of their games last year, and there was. The offensive line was kind of a hit and miss for Fresno State, I think, up and down. But I don't think they've seen as athletic of a front. And probably, Dan, the best that USC front played all year was in the bowl game. I don't know. I mean, you could argue different games. But it seemed like they played really well in that game and just kind of hit them in the mouth. You know, teams can play up to their potential. They can play above it or below it. And, so, you know, a lot of times the USC teams seem to kind of play a little bit below it. But in that game, USC up, you know, it exceeded their potential in that game, played really well. And I think just like you said, I don't think Fresno State was ready for that. No, they weren't. USC was. I mean, that was the, the thing. USC was ready. Fresno wasn't. And um, and it was uh, it, it was just they they weren't athletic enough uh, to play against the USC kids. They just weren't. Now, do you think you know it's because it's going to be a different looking Fresno team? It's going to be a different looking. USC team. I'm not sure if this is going to be one of those teams, Dan, for USC on the USC side that takes a couple of weeks to kind of get their feet, you know, about you know, just kind of get their wits about them and 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 be ready to to play. I I, I know I just kind of get the feeling that this team's going to kind of come out and and play decently in that first game and kind of increasingly get better as it goes. It just it seems like system wise that the guys are kind of buying in already and it's not going to be something that's going to take a you know three months to adjust to over the course of a season. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's much of an adjustment at all. I mean, I think they're already farther along adjusting. And I think a lot of that is a credit to what Sark did and, and his coaches. I think Sark basically paid attention to where these guys were and what they could do and what they were doing out of their, uh, you know, old offense and old defense and said, let's, let's go for stability and let's go for continuity and let's go and, you know, build on where we are and not, you know, start over, not, not, not tear down and, and, uh, and, and turn over a new leaf. And, and I think partly it's because the personnel really fits. I mean, they're not, for example, on offense, they're not running new plays. They're just running them faster and out of the shotgun. But, Basically, they're running the same same kind of stuff, only they're probably giving the quarterback a few more options to do things, uh, you know, that he's got a little more chance to see 
see trouble and make adjustments to it. Uh, not got his back turned to the line of scrimmage. They're not in a situation where if one offensive lineman breaks down, they, uh, you know, the play breaks down. It's just, it's a, you know, I think it takes it takes advantage of their strengths. The same with defense. I think they've decided that they're going to look a lot like they looked last year. You know, that wasn't necessarily the case in what we were hearing when they came in. Uh, we were hearing more 4-3 and multiple. Now we're hearing more multiple, and we're hearing 3-4. So, um, and that was, you know, as Clancy always said last year, uh, he was very fortunate that the system he wanted to run perfectly fit the players he inherited. And I think the decision is to go with what really works with the players that, you know, Sark and company have inherited. And so, so they're really, you know, down the road, I think, in terms of being where they, they need to be. And, I think they've got to look at it. You've got the Fresno game, and then you got Stanford. And in a lot of ways, that's that could be the whole ball. Yeah, <laughs> that could be the whole ball game. Yeah. And Stanford with a new team, also USC has an advantage. If and that was one of the reasons, if there was any negative about Sark or a new coach, was a fourth coach in you know three months. And and more changes. And when it looked like they had turned the corner and were going the right direction, well, Sark has, has, you know, changed that dynamic by saying, we're not going to change. We're not – this isn't a big change. This is a natural, you know, evolution. For example, on offense, had they kept, you know, the old coaching staff – I mean, the old coaching staff, (laughs) the Orgeron coaching staff, uh, and Clay Helton, I think they would have ended up – Doing the same thing on offense, I think it would have clearly they have speeded it up, and they would have gone much more shotgun. And it's one of the things you probably couldn't couldn't do in the middle of the season. But uh, uh, I think it just makes all the sense in the world to go that direction. So I think if we see it that way, I think the players, and we're seeing it through the players' eyes in a lot of ways. I think the players are seeing it that way. That this is this is smart. This makes sense. This is who we are. Where we going? And uh, so I, I don't know that. This is the kind of thing that's going to take a big uh, adjustment period of any kind uh, for USC next year, and that's that's fortunate. That doesn't always happen with a new coach and a new coaching staff. I think but I think oh. that's the case. Yeah, and I think the simplification of the offense, where like you were writing about that, you know, last year they would be, you know, by the time they snap the ball, or, you know, the play clock is running down. This year, I mean, they're they're snapping the ball before they were even breaking the huddle last year. So just simplifying Absolutely. the offense. Yeah, it's like. It was 15 seconds. Cody said it'd be there'd be 15 seconds left on the play clock, and he's at the line of scrimmage. And now they're uh, snapping the ball with 23, 24 seconds left on the play clock. And just the change in terminology to go to one word plays, and that's why I think Sark is going to call the plays. And so you say, oh, same as Lane. No, it's a big difference. I mean, uh, it's not the big searching the chart and finding, you know, and then getting the signal in and then Cody having to read off a 10-word play. Honestly, I looked at some of those, uh, uh, you know, some of those flip uh, things, you know, on the rest, man. You could barely read them. I mean, they, they, were, they were printing with, I don't know how, you know, I'm thinking, how do you, you know, read the, read that print? And luckily these are young guys because if you had to read that print and then, then find a receiver downfield, uh, that quick change in your focus uh, would be tough. So uh, this is this is a whole you know whole different world. Like Cody said, no big deal. I can do either. Uh, he's always a good soldier. But you can do you know the one a lot quicker than you can do the other. And I think it's just it's less hassle. I think a head coach when he's just calling kind of really things that you've really worked on, things you really know how to do, as opposed to trying to find that, you know, that play in column three at the bottom uh, <laughs> that nobody knows about, as Lane said once, in a moment of absolute candor, and said, you know, those plays you don't run much in practice, those don't have as much chance for success. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> you think? But you would see those plays, uh, unfortunately, at times. And, uh, you know, that's where they, they got themselves in trouble. You don't get the sense that you're going to see 
that much of those kinds of plays uh, you know, this year. You're going to see how do we get the ball to Buck? How do we get the ball to Buck in space? Um, you know, how do we – they're not afraid to throw it over the middle. I think that's one of the things you've already seen. They're throwing slant, quick slants over the middle and play action stuff and, and all that, that that you wish that, that you know, in years past, that they'd have been unafraid to do that more. Uh, one last one for you, Dan. We'll let you go. Uh, Tarek says, uh, when they come back, do you see either Stephen Mitchell or George Farmer being kickoff punt returner so that Nelson Aguilar can focus solely on being a receiver? Uh, I would say Mitchell punt returner. He's just got such great hands and great judgment, great spatial, you know, and, and, and then his feet are just, you know, terrific, terrific. Uh, and George would be more the kickoff return guy that where the ball's coming at you, you got a chance and all you're trying to do is catch it and run through people and get to a place before they get there to stop you. Or if only, you know, one or two guys get there, you split them and go. Uh, I think, uh, I think I, that's how I would split them up. Uh, and I would think both would be candidates. Uh, you know, one, uh, George is the kickoff guy, return guy. And, uh, and, and Mitchell is uh, another punt return guy. Uh, I would, uh, you know, I would. They got a lot of candidates, obviously. If, if you're talking about AJ and you know people like that, and they, they do have candidates. Uh, that's probably a sign of a good team. If you've got a lot of guys uh, on special teams who are candidates to to do things, uh, you're probably in pretty good shape athletically, which which I think they are. All right, Dan. Well, thanks again for uh, coming on the show. We'll be looking forward to. You. Seeing you out of practice again tomorrow. That week off is kind of weird in the, after three practices, but we'll be back at it tomorrow. Yeah, can't wait. And four, four straight weeks to finish up, I think, is really a good way to go. Yeah, four straight weeks, three practices a week. So we'll be out there every single day. Thanks, uh, Dan Weber, for again for coming on the show. And everyone else, thank you very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. And we'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 